Welcome to the Physician Wellness Lounge hosted by Dr. Yashoda Baskar, who is board certified in internal medicine and a diplomat of the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine. She is also an ICF certified life transformation coach and a certified money coach. This podcast features physicians who discuss wellness and balance within and outside of medicine. It covers a wide range of topics around this theme with some wonderful advice and practical tips that you can start incorporating right away to improve the happiness quotient in your life. We hope you enjoy this episode and please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you listen to it. And now here's your host, Dr. Yashoda. Welcome everybody again to another episode of our podcast. It brings me great pleasure to introduce Dr. Adam Harrison. And Dr. Harrison is my first international guest and he is um, a family medicine trained physician in the UK, but he is currently coming to us from Rotorua in the Northern part in the Northern part of um, New Zealand or the North Island of New Zealand. And I'm just going to let you guys listen to his story from him directly. So welcome, Dr. Harrison, to my podcast. And thank you so much for being willing to um, come on and um, share your experiences and thoughts with with me and my audience. Uh, Hi, Dr. Yashoda. Thanks so much for asking me. It's a real honor um, and privilege to be here. So very excited. Thank you. So tell us how your your kind of your journey from UK led you to New Zealand at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's uh, it's it's all my wife's fault in a good way. Um, she's a maxillofacial surgeon, and uh, she was doing a fellowship in Darwin, and we were meant to be in Darwin for a year, and obviously the pandemic happened about midway through our year, and then. It got to August uh, 2020 and we couldn't get flights out of Darwin. So we ended up staying uh, staying on, which was an absolute blessing in disguise um, because things were pretty terrible back in the UK from a pandemic viewpoint. And uh, the Northern Territory in Australia was absolutely fine. Um, they had hardly any cases, 34 in total, I think, and no, no fatalities so it's a very safe place to be so we were like yeah there are worse places in the world to be marooned um we just carried on and then my wife um needed to kind of step up to um a consultant post which is i think you guys call attending in in the states isn't it um and so uh people in new zealand reached out to her she had contacts there um maxillofacial surgery is a very small world so um so we're like you know what uh, New Zealand is also really safe. They have zero cases there uh, at the moment, and they have uh, a robust process for keeping it that way. Um, as you said, we're in quarantine. Everything is being done um, very, very fastidiously by them um, to keep them safe and us safe and the country safe. So we're like, yep, yeah, here we are. Um, and she's going to work as a consultant in, um, in Hamilton, in Waikato, which is about an hour and a half from Auckland. And I'm going to um, work on getting my business up and running, um, get all the infrastructure stuff sorted, you know, website and Facebook groups and, and that kind of stuff, um, some marketing. And um, yeah, I'll kind of carry on looking after our, our girls, our young girls, and uh, doing all the school runs and, and so on. And 
making some pretty bad dinners um, and we'll uh, <laughs> we'll take it from there hopefully be here for a few months but if things aren't great in the UK by by sort of spring summer time next year we'll stay on a bit longer so wow yeah. yeah sounds amazing sounds like a wonderful adventure to have with the with your young with your young girls and uh, that's amazing so so Dr. Harrison before we started recording we kind of touched upon a couple of topics that are of mutual interest to us. Um, and so we kind of touched upon uh, bullying and burnout. Mm-hmm. I would like to hear from you a little bit more about how these areas of interest developed for you and what you're seeing happen down the road. Sure, sure. Okay, well, as you said, I'm a, I'm a family physician by, by training or by trade. Um, and then, you know, I wasn't um, always entirely happy uh, with that work. Um, I certainly, looking back, feel that I experienced a couple of episodes of burnout, at least, um, during my uh, GP training and my work as a GP. Um, and, you know, it kind of led me into a different direction. I'd always had an interest in, in law and medical law. Uh, so I went off to work for one of the indemnity organizations. Um, so in the UK, they're, they're like insurance companies, but they also help you with things like if you have complaints, they help you draft responses to the complainant and, and things like that. So um, that kind of um, scratched that legal um, interest itch that I had. And uh, But then while I was doing that job, I was like, this is really fascinating, but I want to be um, finishing the work off, you know, completing the work rather than passing the work on when it gets really interesting. So then I, I thought, well, I'll just train to be a lawyer, as you do. Um, so uh, I went down that route, um, and that led me in a roundabout way into medical leadership roles. Um, so I, I worked as a medical director for uh, um, a couple of organizations. I was the vice chair of a local uh, medical committee for, for general practitioners in my, in my county. And um, yeah, I just saw uh, lots of things going on uh, at the leadership level that I wasn't comfortable with. Um, and there were lots of people at the, the coalface who were very, you know, felt disenfranchised from the leadership, were, were kind of disenchanted and um, unhappy and yeah, burning out as well. And um, I had this opportunity to receive some coaching. So uh, I had some leadership coaching myself. And uh, I know I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it was it was transformative for me. You know, it was uh, it was life changing. Um, and and I went on a few short courses uh, as in introductory taster courses to coaching. And it was during one of these that I had an epiphany where I, I just thought, you know, um, some of the stuff that these these coaches, these life coaches are doing, that they, they are actually changing people's lives for the better. And I felt like sitting in clinic, you know, seeing patients with sore throats and, and, and backache and, and stuff, you know, as worthwhile as it was I didn't feel like I was doing anything life-changing you know and uh, so I thought this is this is what I need to be doing so so kind of this dovetailed in nicely with um, my wife's fellowship year in Darwin because I you know being a being a medic you know you know what we're all like we uh, uh, you know we don't like the the grass to grow under our feet you know we uh, we like to be 
you know achieving stuff all the time you know um and i was like well my my goal for the year is to qualify as a as a coach so um that's what i did i did my life leadership and executive coaching courses in australia and uh, i qualified uh, as an exec coach in september and uh, working um, towards getting my icf accreditation but um you know i've kind of there are lots of areas that I'm interested in, in helping doctors, but, um, and burnout is one of them, although there are quite a lot of physician coaches who have an interest in burnout and resilience. Um, and, you know, there's only so much I can, you know, help uh, in, the, in that way, um, given that the market is already quite full. Um, but, you know, as we, you mentioned bullying, and I, I you know, I've, I've been bullied through my life, I was bullied at at secondary school which you, you guys call high school I think and um, university was good um, on the whole um, it was you know pretty um, incident free but then starting work as a doctor uh, my goodness as as you'll know and your listeners will know um, as soon as you start work as a junior doctor you are opening yourself up for a whole world of, of bullying potentially um, and uh, yeah I, I just sort of it's kind of come back to me recently because while I was working in Darwin, I was tutoring um, some indigenous students mm -hmm. on the medical course there. And I had a, a couple of them come back to me and, and talk, you know, what, using me as a sounding board, they were talking about their experiences on the, on the ward when they started their clinical attachments. And I, I just, I was just shocked. You know, I couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it. Um, I think is very is very prevalent in in Australia, um, particularly in Darwin. Can but, you give us a couple of examples of um, what kind of situations were being yeah. reported back to you? Sure, sure. So probably the the most kind of upsetting, really, for both the student and and myself to kind of hear about was um, it was her start of her third year at medical school. So um, and it was her very first clinical placement and uh, she was with a, a general medical team mm -hmm. and at uh, the end of the first week the consultant had kind of gathered everyone around and uh, I think she was the only student on the team um, and he basically said right um, I want you to go off and take a history from a patient mm -hmm. and, uh, and examine them. You have seven minutes. Ooh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my exactly. Lord. I know alarm bells ringing already. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then I want you to come back and present your findings with your differential diagnoses, uh, to the whole team and the whole team, because it was people who I think were, um, finishing their night shift and then going off before they went home. And then the day shift people had, had come in. Um, they were actually including the consultant, about 11 doctors. Wow. So he said, um, and we're all going to mark you. We're all going to give you a mark. And uh, so, you know, she, she uh, went off like the dutiful medical student that she is and did what all good medical students do and started with an open question and uh, <laughs> 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 the patient proceeded to talk for about five of the seven minutes that she had oh um, 
anyway, so she got the history of presenting complaint and then she, she had enough to know it was probably a chest infection. She was going to go for the money, listen to the chest, mm-hmm. at least kind of get some clinical signs that she could report back. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so yeah, so she, um, she, she did that. And this was, I think on the, on the ward, it wasn't even in a, uh, a seminar room or anything like that. It was on the ward where she, she presented the case. He said they in turn, and they all marked her. And, uh, you know, as you can imagine, it was her first ever time doing this, you know, so she wasn't slick. Um, you know, so the marks they gave her uh, were, you know, pretty low, as you can imagine. And I mean, how, how soul destroying, how, you know, how, what, what a way to wreck someone's confidence, you know, Um, and obviously she was upset. Um, And as I say, she called me uh, that evening and told me about it. And I was, I was furious, um, but powerless, you know, I was just a a casual tutor, you know, I had no, no influence in the medical school or, or the hospital. And uh, anyway, I mean, it turns out this doctor is uh, renowned for for this. Um, just to give you another example from the same um, perpetrator. Mm-hmm. My my juniors um, who rotated around onto this person's team, um, and who's a very very lovely and unassuming. Um, but very knowledgeable and experienced uh, doctor from um, from Pakistan, I think originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had worked her way up to almost the consultant level in uh, OBS and Gyne mm-hmm. in um, Pakistan. And so she she you know was and she'd worked in Australia for a couple of years before moving to Darwin, I think. And uh, yeah, she was. Um, put on uh, his team afterwards um, to work for a, a few months. And when he met her, he said, uh, oh, great, you know, another uh, another IMG. Uh, why is it the hospital always sends me the, the useless rubbish doctors? Oh my goodness. So he just, um, he just, without even getting to know her, he just assumed that because she was an overseas trained doctor, IMG being international medical graduate right that uh, she wasn't going to be she wasn't going to be any good mm. um the irony being that this doctor himself is an img oh my he tra- goodness he had trained in the indian subcontinent um before crazy. coming to australia wow it's not, i mean it's not acceptable from from anyone but it's just sure. it's even more stark that people who you think would have some empathy with your situation and um and show that little bit of extra care because you'd been in the same boat that they're in, you know, right. albeit 20, 20 years before, um, would just be more supportive and, and more caring. Um, so she, she was very upset by that, as you can imagine. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just wow. know, a couple of examples of things. And, and there, are, there are others. And, my, you know, my wife could regale you with a lot more i'm sure because she actually worked with um with people there but uh yeah uh just very sad anyway just kind of it just kind of tied in that everything kind of coincided and at the time i had this um podcast interview um with dr rachel morris on um literally on bullying Mm -hmm. um we talked about bullying 
and uh, yeah, I just thought, well, I have my experiences of bullying. Um, I, I know it's going on. It's going on in the UK. It's going on in Australia. I hear it's going on in the States. It's going um, on everywhere, I'm sure. Yes. Um, I don't know that it's getting any better. I think I think in the UK, it, it maybe is getting better because those, you know, the what we might now interpret as bullying, as you'll know, you know, kind of back in the day, and I, I trained, I qualified in, 2000 so uh, I trained from like 94 to 2000 um, and then I was a junior doctor and you know it was just that kind of you had those old school bosses who uh, you know barked at you and were like well in my day blah 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 right. uh, you know just get on and do it don't moan about it um, and it was that whole you know, era of uh, see one, do one, teach one, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's so it's so different, certainly in, in the UK now, I'm not saying it doesn't still go on the bullying, but, you know, we, we all just accepted it that that was how it was, you know, you had these dinosaur bosses, and they would just sure. shout at you. And, uh, right, right. and now we, uh, I think quite rightly are, are saying that uh, some of that, not all of that, um, but some of that could be construed as bullying, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's so, a pretty yeah. challenging situation, isn't it? Because, you know, like you were talking about, it's almost like, you know, medicine, even to this day, is taught almost like an apprenticeship, right? It's like you have to follow those who have gone before you. And it's very individualized. You know, we've all heard stories of you know, a surgeon throwing a bloody scalpel at you or, yeah. you know, and stuff like this, right? Like this <laughs> yeah. sort of stuff. And not even necessarily at the medical student. Sometimes it's, you know, another person in the OR. Right. Yeah. And so this whole idea of like disruptive physicians, as they like to call them. And, yeah. and so when you are in a position of being a medical student or a trainee, a resident, you, de you depend on these attendings to, you know, ultimately to pass you, right? They, they, they have to score you, they have to, it's not just about the teaching, it's also about making sure like you do what needs to be done to get through, uh, through medical school, through residency, through fellowship, right? So there's this power hierarchy, and I'm sure it happens in other industries, but since we are both doctors, we can only talk to, you know, doctoring. How do you, like people are going to have such a hard time even quote unquote complaining or, you know, who, yeah. who do they go to, right? They're, the very people who are supposed to help them and protect them are the ones who are, like you said, the perpetrators. Um, yeah. What do you see in your vision of how this could potentially change? Gosh, well, you brought up some really, uh, really great points there. Um you just reminded me of another situation, if you don't mind me just telling you briefly about it. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. I was um, one of my, again, one of my in indigenous medical students down in Adelaide this time in, in, in Southern Australia was uh, on a surgical team. And uh, it was during the height of the pandemic and they weren't doing any elective operating, um, but there was still quite a lot of stuff going on. And there was still routine stuff to be done. And one of the, the kind of middle grade doctors, so I guess like a resident um, registrar they are here, uh, said, um, uh, oi, a girl, medical student, um, go and take bloods from this patient. So uh, she told me this and I said, oh, wow, that's, 
that guy's a piece of work, isn't he? I mean, you know, this is this is the whole thing. This is sexism, misogyny, you know, uh, mm-hmm. bullying. You know, what's what's going on here? Um, she said, uh, "Yeah, it wasn't a he." Oh my goodness! <laughs> Just, wow. What? I know. And so, what you've described, I think, is um, is modelling. You know, yeah. the way that I I sort of rationalised that was that um, this you know, junior female surgeon wants to be a consultant surgeon one day, and she's looking to her consultants for um, her lead, you know? Yes. She's looking for their example. So to to become like them, I need to be like them. Mm. I need to act like them so that I can get to that, you know, the dizzy dizzy heights one day. Mm. Um, And so she's modeling herself on, on, the way they have treated her and and the way she has seen them treat others um and so you're right you either kind of fit in and and just kind of like change yourself to fit that mold mm-hmm. um, because we're not we're not naturally born bullies you know it's not a natural uh, inclination to be like that so um you've got to see something like that and, and want to be like it for some reward yes um or else you kind of kick back against the system. Mm-hmm. And then as you say, you're, you're then putting yourself in, in, in fear or threat or vulnerability of, well, well, how do I get a reference from that person? To how do I get my next job? You know, cause there's still that you're only as good as your last reference. Absolutely. You know? Right. Uh, uh, and, you know, I think, so for me, when I, um, I can think of two very clear examples of surgical jobs where I felt bullied by more than one of the consultants in the department. It was cardiothoracic surgery and um, general and breast surgery. And I, all I can do is thank God that uh, actually no three jobs. I had happened in trauma orthopedics as well. I thank God that there was at least one consultant who I thought was nice that I got along with. Mm-hmm. that I could turn to for, for a reference. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, so, but I think if you find you're working for just one person or a, or t- a few people and none of them seem that approachable, none of them seem kind to you, that's, that's really difficult, really, really difficult. I'm not sure if there isn't anyone that you feel, because, you know, when you're applying for your next job, they're always going to want a reference from someone whose department you've worked in. Right. Um, so I think you just have to, you feel like you've just got to toe the party line, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Put up with their, put up with their rubbish and uh, just, you know, get, get out of there as quickly as you can. I think, yeah. you know, yeah. just, just think, well, uh, you know, I've done my time. Okay. I'm, I'm uh a month away or something from finishing. I'm, I just need this reference. I'm just going to keep my head down. And then hopefully when you get out the other side, you can then complain about these people. You know, you can then raise it to, right. to human resources or, or whatever. Right. Or, um, well, I mean, it's such a, you know, it's still a very small world within medicine, isn't it? Like you just mentioned earlier, how your wife had connections in, you know, and got the job in New Zealand. And so it kind of, it kind of, follows you right it, it's not it's not even after you finish training sure you could do that but and I think that's why it's such a difficult thing to change but you know I like the idea of you mentioned the coaching piece right because 
let's say you are a medical student or a resident who is in that really tough situation and you don't have somebody you can trust or you can go to, right? And be confident that it's not gonna have repercussions. That's probably where, I mean, if it is pretty extreme bullying, then definitely I think counseling or therapy would have to come into play. But I think with the coaching piece, um, it's important because you have somebody who is in your corner, right? Like that person, those students who came to you, for example, there was something about you that made them feel safe, that made them feel that they could come and confide in you. And right. And, And sometimes as coaches, we just we hold space and we also see if there's a way like you can't change the external circumstances right yeah. i mean it would be wonderful if you could change the perpetrator to become a non-perpetrator but it ain't probably going to happen overnight yeah. you know magically yeah. but that's where the coaching comes into play where we say how can we how can we help you or facilitate how you react to the situation Yes. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. a whole Viktor Frankl, you know, man's man's uh, what is it? A search for meaning or whatever, where, you know, he was in a concentration camp for for yeah. for God's sake. Right. Yeah. But what yeah. he said is the ultimate freedom that we have is how we respond to situations. Yes. Yeah. And that kept him alive and probably kept a bunch of people alive through the concentration camp. So I just want you to maybe expound a little bit around that, Adam, like how a coach such as you could be something potentially that's in their armamentarium to help them survive while they're going through this phase of their training. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think the, um, the reference to Viktor Frankl is, is uh, spot on and it's uh, probably uh, to make it a bit more coachy, I suppose, would be Stephen Covey's circles of control and circles of influence and so on you know if it's completely out with your control uh like you know turning someone from a a a malignant narcissistic personality into uh the fairy godmother or something then (laughs) you know (laughs) you have to just accept that is outside your your sphere of influence you know but but as you say you can control your your own reaction um and yeah, I think the um, it's the the sequelae of co- of uh, being bullied that coaching can really help with. You know, because what are they what are they feeling? They're feeling um, like they're you know they're they're victims of bullying or victims of a toxic environment. Um, and what is that doing to them? That's knocking their confidence and making them feel anxious and and panicky. And then you know, all uh, kind of leading towards them burning out, isn't it? You know, they're, they're overwhelmed and, and not, you know, feeling happy in themselves, not wanting to come into work, not having any empathy with their patients, that, that kind of stuff. Um, also, just fearing those interactions um, with these people because they are not trained in conflict management, um, which mm-hmm. this is just an, another example of something that doctors it would be great for them to be trained in, you know, like business skills, but, but we're just not, you know? Um, So uh, you can certainly work with um, modifying people's reactions to these sorts of situations, almost, you know, reframing it, you know, Um, maybe depersonalizing it somewhat, you know, it's okay. So they're like that with everyone. Um, 
mm-hmm. you know it's not just me I'm not going to take it personally they um you know I that saying hurt people hurt you know uh, there's something going on in their lives that has made them like this you know yeah. um and just you know trying to reason with yourself in a way um but then obviously if they if it's if it's beyond that and their confidence has already been you know hammered down and they have imposter syndrome and they're like you know I don't feel like I'm good enough to be working here with this person um you know obviously there are there are coaching techniques to to help with that um imposter syndrome and and confidence um and obviously there are there are ways of um boosting people's resilience um so if you're if you're dealing with potential burnout situation you know anxiety and panic that's that's the one it's a little bit of a fine line is it more counseling and and therapy um or is it something you know that you can you can from a coaching perspective help people with meditation and deep breathing exercises and and you know being you know more aware of their environment and and that that kind of thing but yeah um you can help people with uh, developing affirmations um, and you know, meditation is uh, you know, proven to, to be of, of benefit cognitively. I'm not a meditation expert, I, I must stress, but I, I appreciate its uses and would signpost people to people who are much more into it. You know, um, you, you know this is the bullying is going to create self-limiting beliefs, you know, and hopefully you can work with people to turn them around and turn them into more power beliefs um get people to sort of visualize how their life would be if they weren't responding this way to the bullying or if they if they weren't being bullied um and you know visualize that and and imagine that and imagine how they can react to things so replay situations that have happened and just kind of you know almost forensically go into them and um uh, look at the the way they reacted and you know could you react any differently you know how how could you make this a more positive uh, experience you know as as much as you can um and obviously you know working with conflict management you know just giving people that confidence to be able to say uh, actually you know no this is this is not okay and uh you know i think with some of these bullies they don't even realize that the effect that they're having on people so that might be enough for them to turn around and say oh actually you're right you know I'm being out of order um I have an example from my own experience where I was a cardiothoracic um junior doctor and uh, a new consultant started in the department mm-hmm. and uh I I was uh, away on on the the day that he he wanted his um valve patients anticoagulated in a a way that was different to the departmental regimen mm-hmm. so he wanted his warfarin regimen to be to be different so he, he had to talk to all the the junior doctors who were there on that day as i say i wasn't there so then when i came to back to work and i was writing up the drug charts and i was doing it the departmental way mm-hmm. um no one had told me that you know mr x had said he likes his patients you know treated this way mm-hmm. So we were on a um, post-operative ward round and there were, again, about 12 of us, including the the surgeons, the junior doctors, the nursing staff. um, And we were in this little bay of four patients, so four beds in one bay. Right. And he basically looked at the, the drug chart and 
he said, so who did this then? And uh, I said, we all looked at it, you know, I said, oh, that's my, that's my writing. You know, obviously you do a, a gazillion uh, drug charts, don't you? You know, I was like, oh yeah, uh, that's mine. And he just bawled me out in front of the whole ward. Oh, wow. He didn't even stop to say, why did you do that? Why has this happened? You know, can you explain your side of the story for this? This is not my regimen. I've already told you guys. At which point I could have explained to him I wasn't sure. there right. teaching. And he, I, it was just probably one of the, 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 the biggest kind of um, shoutings at by a boss in public I've ever had. Mm. I lived on the hospital grounds at the time. So uh, I went, I just, you know, when you're so angry, you just, your tears are coming down your face, yeah. but it's not, you're not sad. It's just tears of anger, frustration, whatever. I could feel this happening. I was, I just like, I left the ward. I went back to the accommodation. My wife was actually there. She wasn't my wife at the time, but she was there. And um, I told her what happened. She said, you know what? You need to, you need to go and have a word with him. Mm. So I kind of girded my loins and uh, I went to his office. I knocked on the door, went in and told him my side of the story. And he just looked at me and said, you know what? You're right. Mm. I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, shouldn't have done that. I mean, you know, a public apology would have been better, but yeah. you know, small, <laughs> small, small mercies, right. you know. Right. <laughs> But again, um, like you know, to bring you back to your point, though, at that moment, the you know the self confidence, the feeling of of being put down and in public, right? That is just like ridiculous. But yeah. you got what you were able to do is you were able to salvage the situation for yourself, right? Like yeah. you were able to get to the point where you were like, I'm standing up for myself because this wasn't a mistake, like that I should have been quote unquote punished for, if you will, because yeah. it wasn't right. Like it wasn't like you did something and, you know, and even if somebody does something, that's why we are called trainees, right? Like we, we are allowed. And as an attending, it is their job to make sure that we don't like kill somebody. Right. Yeah. But there's a way of correcting and training people yeah. that doesn't involve bullying. I think that's what we're trying to have with this conversation is we're not saying, you know, give free reign to all the medical students and residents to do whatever, right? Like, that's not what we're saying. But the way correction needs to happen from an attending level needs to be done from a place of understanding, compassion, knowing that, you know, ultimately, yes, the buck does rest with you. But it's like, it's okay to tell somebody 10 times rather than tell them none and then berate them for not doing something just because you expect them to read your mind, right? And there's a way of correcting people. You know, I mean, I wasn't attending. I had medical students from UW work with us. I had, we had our family practice residents who rotated with us in the, you know, the hospital on the internal medicine team. I did it for 16 years. Um, they were really sweet and actually gave me the like best faculty award two years, you know? And, and the reason is because when we made mistakes, we looked at it. We said, what, what was it that happened here that could have been avoided? How can yeah. we do better the next time? Because yeah. that's the learning process. My, if I had yelled and screamed at them for doing something stupid, A, they would never come to me if there was a serious situation, right? They yeah. would be like, she's going to yell at me. I'm not yeah. going to go there. And B, what is, what is it that I've taught them? that it's okay to perpetuate that sort of behavior when they become attendings, right? Exactly yeah. what you're talking about. So, I mean, as a culture, as attendings, it behooves us 
to hold ourselves to that standard of, yes, we want excellent patient care, but giving somebody a dressing down who is just meaning to do well, they're learning, they're, you know, it's an apprenticeship. That's what it is. And if you can't handle that, then you probably shouldn't be in that position of being an attending or, you know, or a, or a consultant anyway. Maybe you should be having your own little practice where you get to control 100% of what you do, really, yeah. right? Um, but I, I think, Adam, coming back to what we were saying is how do we help these people, right? How do we help these budding doctors? They're coming in, they're already anxious. There's so much to learn in medicine. They're so afraid they're going to kill a patient by, you know, doing something stupid. And then this happens, right? They're in an area of bullying. And I think, again, just emphasizing that it is okay to reach out and ask for help. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean um i think i was i was very fortunate um not for that to happen to me but um for my wife to, to have lived on the on the hospital premises and and for um you know my partner to have been there and you know as she always does she uh you know speaks great sense and um you know kind of bolstered my confidence uh but there are plenty of people that don't have that you know right um and so you know these are or they have someone but maybe they're not not that supportive so um you know these are perhaps ideal people to to come to coaches to to give them some um you know work on uh, conflict management and and boosting their confidence and um helping them with the kind of anxious feelings and so on and um yeah um how did it how did it pan out with this uh with the surgeon after you had that little chat with him in the office <laughs> going forward <laughs> yeah it was um it was fine you know i'm um as far as i was concerned he'd he'd apologize i i felt empowered that i was able to say that to him um you know and as i say i had i had my my partner in my corner, you know, kind of cheering me on and, and saying, you can do it, you know, just go and go and speak to him. You know, mm -hmm. you've got nothing to be afraid of. He's just another human being, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, he, you know, we, we got along fine after that. And um, maybe he, I mean, there are various definitions of, of bullying um, and, you know, there's no legal definition in the UK as such um, because it's not a, a kind of criminal activity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and some people say, well, there has to be a, a pattern of this kind of behavior for it to be deemed bullying, you know, but uh, my opinion is if it's, if it's, if you, it's, even if it's one episode, if it's severe enough, mm -hmm. um, then, or, you know, or vicious, you know, then, um, then I, I, I think that is, is fair to call it bullying, you know, um, but yeah, um, moving forward, yeah, it was it was all it was all fine after that. But um, you know, there are so many of them <clears throat> out there. Doing, yeah, no, doing I it, agree. You know. I I just I just love that you are, you know, a voice in this space. Like we talked about before, these are some really hard conversations. These are difficult things to admit um, to others and even to our own selves, right? Because you you have the sense, like you said, of like the imposter syndrome. And you look around and everybody else seems to be doing just fine. And so you're thinking it just must be me. Like I'm the weak person. 
not realizing that everybody else is walking around thinking the same thing, <laughs> you know? And so sometimes it becomes difficult to even have that conversation with another colleague, right? Because you're like, oh, they seem to be doing fine and, and doing great. What are they gonna think of me? You know, I'm the weak one. And so again, to have a neutral person like a counselor, a therapist, or a coach in your corner because you can be vulnerable. And especially somebody who's been a physician or is a physician. I just wanted to point that out, right? I mean, and it's not like we're some sort of an exclusive club, but you know, the, the lovely thing is that your wife is a physician. She gets you, right? She, she kind of walks in the same shoes, but many of us who have non-physician spouses or partners, you know, I can come home all day and, and tell them about my horrible day and they're very sympathetic, but at some level they don't get it because they're not experiencing what we experience. So again, I think, you know, the physician part of a physician coach is important as well. I just wanted to kind of emphasize that piece, you know, yeah. they, they really get it. They were, and especially somebody like you, because you've had firsthand experience and you totally yeah know what comes up, what are the emotions, and also the tools and tips and techniques to, um, to work with that situation. So yeah. it's, it's lovely, I think, what you're doing. It's yeah. a great, great service. Thank you, yeah. I mean, the, um, the ultimate aim is having worked in leadership roles myself and, and seen uh, you know, the kind of trickle-down effect of that toxicity is to be able to work with teams of leaders um, and and their and their teams um and you know develop uh, a much more compassionate um leadership culture within healthcare organizations um to try and improve the situation from the top down but i appreciate as as you'll know and you'll have been involved in many committees and and you know many many senior roles like that in your career uh, it takes time oh yes you know, and in <laughs> In the meantime, you've got people, you know, on the shop floor who are really suffering. So, you know, I'd like uh, to take a two-pronged approach and kind of work with the, the seniors and, and work with the, the juniors as well um, on their issues and, um, you know, better, better prepare them. So, you know, that's my, that's my aim anyway. I love that. You're absolutely right because it is, you know, like they say, it takes two to tango or whatever, right? It's not just... The junior doctors but also working because like you said sometimes it's a matter of self-awareness they might not that's how they were trained um by being bu not bullied maybe necessarily but that sort of that way of training that happens in medicine and they just think that's normal and natural and is there a way that it can be toned down and yet get the same and or even better results um, yeah. you know, out of the junior doctor. So it's, yes. I think that's a fantastic thing you're doing. Um, so Dr. Harrison, we have had so much fun with this conversation. <laughs> um, can you uh, let our audience know if somebody wants to reach out to you, uh, you know, want to know more about the coaching services you offer or your speaking mm. or anything like that, where can they find you on the wide, wide web? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, yeah, seriously, if anybody uh, is is feeling like they are suffering the adverse effects of um, a toxic leadership, or they're actually feeling like they're frankly being bullied, um, please yeah, please do reach out. I can help. Um, and my email address is just doctor.adamharrison at gmail.com. So dr.adamharrison at gmail.com. 
Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Dr. Adam Harrison. That's probably my um, my favorite um, social media platform. Um, I just had someone very kindly give me an invite to Clubhouse. So I've just joined Clubhouse. Oh dear, so, you're going yeah. down a rabbit hole. I'll find you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, rabbit hole, uh, I'm warning you. It's addictive. Yeah, well, if you're on there, then we need to host a, host a room together, I reckon. I would um, love that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just uh, at Dr. Adam Harrison um, on Clubhouse. And Facebook and, and uh, websites are, are in in progress, should we say. Um, I have the next couple of months planned to sort them out, but uh, I'll, I'll up update you when, when they're kind of ready. Amazing. Sounds wonderful. And I will definitely put that information down in the show notes as well. So again, thank you so much. I want to tell our audience to please listen to these episodes, please subscribe and please leave us feedback, you know, give us some reviews, give us some feedback. What is it? What kind of topics you'd like me to address around wellness and balance in healthcare amongst physicians? And I just bring on some amazing guests like Dr. Harrison, for example. <laughs> and uh, Adam, this has been such a pleasure. Uh, I just really appreciate you for how you're serving some of our colleagues in the, in the medical space. And uh, thank you so much for coming all the way from Rotorua. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, it's been my absolute pleasure. I'm so, I'm so grateful to you for um, having the faith in me to give me this opportunity to speak to your audience. I'm just so, yeah, so very grateful and, and honored. Thank you. You're welcome. It's been, it's been joyous. Thank you again. <laughs>